We've read this scripture uh, at least twice today already. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 18 through 25. You who are servants, be good servants to your masters. Not just good masters, but also the bad ones. What counts is that you put up with it for God's sake when you're treated badly for no good reason. There's no particular virtue and accepting punishment that you well deserve. But if you are treated badly for good behavior and continue in spite to be a good servant, that is what counts with God. This is the kind of life you've been invited to, the kind of life Christ lived. He suffered everything that came his way so you would know that could be done and also know how to do it step by step. He never did one thing wrong Not once said anything amiss. They called him every name in the book, and he said nothing back. He suffered in silence, content to let God set things right. He used his servant body to carry our sins to the cross so we could be rid of sin, free to live the right way. His wounds became your healing. You were lost sheep with no idea who you were or where you were going, but now... You're named and kept for good by the shepherd of your souls. Good morning, everybody. It seems like uh, the summer has gone by pretty quick, wouldn't you say? In uh, this wonderful series of Don't Waste Your Summer, uh, hopefully you haven't done that, right? It's been a great series. Pastor Scott and Pastor Claire have blessed us with the words, uh, you know, don't waste your faith, don't waste your words, don't waste your money. And um, I think... In, in a lot of ways, oh yeah, and don't waste your time. Don't waste your summer. That's right. And uh, today I'm going to talk about don't waste your pain. Um, I think about six months ago or so, sometimes my time reference isn't always on, but it seems uh, I spoke about uh, do you suffer well? The question was asked, do you suffer well? So I, I find it interesting uh, that I'm, I'm doing this part or this portion um, and, and I know that, to be honest with you, suffering and pain is not an easy subject to talk about, let alone live. Uh, it's very difficult. However, they go hand in hand with peace and joy. So I want you to understand you cannot have one without the other. Uh, as my awesome wife, Kathleen, of uh, my best friend for 42 years, that's a long time considering I'm only 43 She has reminded me so many times throughout our journey together, she will say, you see, honey, they are sisters, suffering, pain, peace, and joy, and they all live in the same house. And I'm telling you, the woman's a genius. She's a prophet to me, and uh, she has spoken to my life the wisdom of God so many times. I still can't figure out. We've both experienced pretty much the same things, educated the same way, but she's much more brilliant than I am. I don't know what happened. I just, it's just kind of, I don't, I don't get it as quick as she does, but she's there to help me. Amen. I saw a quote recently that read, some of you say joy is greater than sorrow and others say nay, sorrow is the greater. But I say unto you, they are inseparable. Together they come. And when one sits alone with you, you're bored. Remember, 
that the other is asleep upon your bed. Matthew 5, 4, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. The cup of sorrows and the cup of joy cannot be separated. It's interesting, according to the leading psychologists and social scientists of today and yesterday, it is a proven fact that some of the deepest levels of human relationship with God as well as with each other can only be attained through suffering together. Absorbing each other's pain and allowing God to absorb and take yours. John Ortberg uses an illustration in an article in Christianity Today entitled, Don't Waste Your Crisis, of Job's friends and Job's suffering together, how to and how not to. He begins, it is a little known fact that in Chinese, the word crisis is made up of two characters, life and stinks. (laughs) Isn't that amazing? Chinese are pretty smart, aren't they? They really are. Crisis. Life stinks. All right? Two symbols. When Job hit his crisis, he was surrounded by his friends, Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar. They went to Job to sympathize with him. The Hebrew verb here, nud, refers to the body movement, shaking back and forth, nodding the head. You see this sometimes when people experience trauma and go into shock, rocking themselves back and forth like a mother does with her baby. Their love is so strong, their grief is so great, that they sit next to him and take his own anguish. They sat on the ground with him for seven days and seven nights. No one said a word to him, because they saw how great his suffering was. It's worth pausing here for a moment, writes Ortberg. Imagine sitting with someone in silence for seven days. This was such a powerful act, it became part of Jewish life. To this day, they speak of sitting Shiva. Literally, sitting sevens. Friends will come and sit with one who mourns over a period of a week. Ortberg goes on, I have a friend whose dad died. Someone from her church asked, was your dad a Christian? Maybe they wanted to minimize her grief by saying... Her dad was in heaven, and she told them, no, he's not a Christian. The other person just walked away. They were prepared to try to minimize mourning, but not enter into it. It's interesting that after seven days, Job's friends will speak a lot. They get in trouble with God for what they say. Job's friends have taken a lot of heat over the years for good reasons. Their words are not so hot, but their silence was brilliant. The silence was a gift. Maybe one of the reasons Job is able to struggle with God in such honesty and persistence as he had, his friends would take on a sorrow in seven days of silence. In the video clip we opened up with, the passion. I chose this because I believe it is an incredible illustration of Jesus' trust in God to the point of death, knowing he was going to suffer and asking God for strength, sweating blood and praying. But it also illustrates to us as friends, 
Peter, James, and John how not to suffer with our friends. Not to sleep on a job. In other words, don't do what the boys did when Jesus needed them most. Do what he told them to do. Set up, watch, and wait. And most of all, pray. Pray for me. The, Jesus, the story of Jesus in the garden has, has many teachings of suffering. Endurance through suffering and trusting and loving the Father and each other. Fortunately, through trial and error. And what the Word of God tells us is those three closest friends of Jesus their lives would eventually prove to be some of the most excellent examples of very long suffering for the will of God, each other, and for our sake today. Amen. You may have heard me speak several times uh, about this here. Um, however, I, I certainly feel it's worthwhile as an example. When Kathleen and I and our girls lost our Isaac, it, it was by far the worst suffering and pain that we've ever experienced as, as individuals and as a family. My brother Scott and my sister Claire and their family were incredible, by far. I believe I'm here today because of their love. They never left us. Not once. They were there every day, silent with us, sitting at the end of our beds, sometimes climbing into our beds, <laughs> feeding us, holding us, crying with us, laughing with us, praying with us, living with us, comforting us, and trust me, they were hurting too. They mourned with us, and they absorbed our pain. They did it all while managing their own pain and suffering. They lost their nephew, who was also like a son to them. There's no greater love does one have that he would lay down his life for a friend. To enter into one's pain is to live it with them. This past uh, week, Pastor Carlo emailed the church and he said he was going to be doing a funeral uh, for a woman named KK. And uh, what's, what's really important to share, and the purpose for me sharing this, is that uh, I believe that KK and Carlos' story is a perfect illustration of being able to enter into someone else's pain and suffering. Even if it causes suffering and cost personally, financially, physically, and mentally. KK is Carlos' aunt and truly his second mother. She has been such an example of God's love and, and possessed immense godly wisdom and strength to endure a very hard life for the kingdom of God and his glory on the earth. I've had a unique privilege of knowing uh, this beautiful saint of God since 1992, and she will forever hold a very special place in my heart and my soul for what she has done, for being the person of God that she has been. Whenever I've taken missionary teams to Haiti, she was our personal cook and chef. And believe me, when you're in Haiti, that's important. You got a really good chef, personal good chef, right? 
She took very good care of us. As well, she also spent several years taking care of Carlo when his mom and Geraldine were not there for him. They were gone. I'd like to say nobody cooked Creole like KK. Can you say that three times fast? Nobody cooked Creole like KK. Three times. Try that. Nobody cooked Creole like KK. Three times. And nobody made, this is funny, you guys are going to laugh. Nobody made Haitian coffee like KK. She would filter it. (laughs) She would filter it through one of her old stockings. But it was real good. It was, it was really good. I'm, I'm telling you, some of the best coffee you ever had, right? I'm still trying to get Blossom and Sons to try that stocking filter thing. But every time I ask Matt, he says, <laughs> he says, like Joe Namath, <laughs> he doesn't have any of his old nylons left. <laughs> I told him I'd give him some of mine. These past few years, KK has been sick and has gotten to the point where she hasn't been able to travel. So people who have gone recently in the last five years, you wouldn't know her. But her impact on our church and our church's ministry and Pastor Carlo's ministry is profound. It's, it's worth making sure you hear this. Profound to the point of stating that if KK did not and was not able to suffer And Carlo's suffering and absorb his pain, Carlo's ministry would never have been birthed. We, our church, would never have met Carlo or even had a relationship with him to join with him to build and support the schools, to educate the thousands of children and churches over these last 26 years to lead people to the salvation and discipleship of Jesus Christ. It's this little old lady. This little old lady in Haiti. Quite frankly, no one would have gone to Haiti here or gifted and supported. And it's worth clapping over what you have been used. This is my point. Supported the children and the people over in Haiti for several years. It would never been a Haiti school bots project that this right here, we wouldn't be doing this. This thing, those boxes, would have never even happened. Her genuine kindness and relentless ability to see past her own self and enter into suffering of someone else's is astounding. No building mission work would have ever been done. No medical mission trips. No helping malnourished children. No putting in wells for clean water. No helping diseased, ridden people who live in the poorest country in the Western Hemisphere. So this is KK's story and the impact she had and the legacy she left epitomizes the true meaning of don't waste your pain. It goes like this. It was 1992. Pastor Carlo and I were sitting at his home in Dumas, Port-au-Prince, Haiti. He introduced me to KK, his aunt, as she was working in his kitchen, cooking for our missionary team. We walked out to his courtyard, which was all dirt at the time, and he said, Brother Sean, I have to tell you something about KK and what she's done for me. When I was a little boy, my parents had no money or work opportunity. 
and I needed to pay for school and food while I was there. If I was not, if, it, if the bill was not paid, I would have had to leave and not get an opportunity to be educated. I would have gone on the streets and beg as a little boy like most Haitian children do. I would have gone there. My life would not be the same. KK took the metal roof off of her house and sold it. So he could go to school and eat. He says, for years, for years, while he was growing up, she lived in a house with no roof. Her ability to take on suffering and pain is amazing. That's what he said to me. Every time it rains on my head, I think about what she's done for me. Every time it's been scorching hot and the sun has beaten down on my head, I think of what she's done for me. (laughs) Every time I see a child walk into our schools, I think of what she's done for me. Every time I see people walk into our church, I think about what God has done for me through her. Every time I wake up, I give thanks for using her and the awesome gift she's been in my life. She's a true world changer. KK had the ability to mourn with those who mourn and see past her own self. Great is your reward. Beautiful KK, well done. We will see you soon. According to Ortberg, pardon me, what a beautiful woman of God. We got a lot of those people around here, you know. You guys are awesome. But it's important for you to know the kind of impact you have, as well as other people who are so far away but have such a great impact on the work of God. Amen? Amen. According to Ortberg, perhaps the single most disobeyed command the Apostle Paul ever wrote was mourn with those who mourn. Can you imagine if you could really gain a grasp on the impact of not wasting our pain and having the ability to mourn with those who mourn? Like KK, like Pastor Scott and Claire, the things they've been able to do, to sit silently in our friend's suffering as well, our own, and let God comfort us. To have the courage to allow him to change us into his image, to teach us, to trust him with all our lives, to become vessels, to be used, 
to love the world as he did in action and change the world into the kingdom of God here on earth as it is in heaven. Luke 24, 26, NIV, did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter into his glory? In Henry Nouwen's book entitled, Can You Drink the Cup? He writes that the key to not wasting your pain and suffering is first to set in silence before God and allow God to remove all the noise and distractions and every lie the enemy has ever spoken over us so we can begin to hear the truth of God about us. He says, this is a fearful prospect. Who are we when there's nothing to keep us busy? He states at first, silence may only frighten us. In silence, we start hearing the voices of darkness, our jealousies and angers, our resentment and desire for revenge, our lust and our greed and our pain over losses, abuses and rejections. These voices are often noisy and boisterous. They may even deafen us. Our most spontaneous reaction is to run away from them. But if we have the discipline to stay put and not let these dark voices intimidate us, they will gradually lose their strength and recede into the background, creating space for the softer, gentler voices of light. The voices speak peace and kindness and gentleness and goodness and joy and hope and forgiveness and most of all love. He further states they come from the very deep place and they have been spoken to us since before we were born. And they reveal to us that there is no darkness in the one who sent us into the world, only light. They are part of God's voice calling us from all eternity, my beloved child, my favorite one, my joy. The enormous powers, the noises, the distractions and lies of the world keep drowning out these gentle voices. Still, they are voices of truth. They are like the voice that Elijah heard on Mount Horeb. There, God passed him not in a hurricane, in an earthquake or fire, but in a light murmuring sound. 1 Kings 19, 11 through 13. The sound takes away our fear and makes us realize that we can face reality, especially our own reality. Being in silence is the first way to learn to drink our cup. Now one goes on to say the second way to drink our cup is with the word. It is not enough to claim our sorrow and joy in silence. Not a good thing. We also must claim God's word and truths with trusted circle of friends, the most trusted friends, whose reliance on God and his word over their life and over your life is God's truth and reality. They don't believe lies and rumors. They're not conditional, but unconditional. They're honest and loving friends who won't leave you or forsake you. They cover you in the multitude of sin the devil heaps on you. You know what I'm talking about. The kind of friends who don't run away when the devil starts to growl at you. And he gets a little louder and he shows his teeth at you because he hates you. I'm talking about the kind of friends who run toward you when all hell's breaking loose. And the hurricane's blowing and the earth's shaking and all the fire is seven times hotter. The kind of friends who jump in it with you, grab hold of you. And stabilize you, being with you so you are not alone. 
so that you can hear the voice of God and his truth about you. Like Jesus and Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. You remember a couple weeks ago, Pastor Claire shared about it. You remember that fourth figure in the fire who was walking around with those Hebrew boys who had the appearance of God? Those kind of friends. Not the kind of friends who fall asleep when you're sweating blood and facing death, who want to run away and deny every, everything and every part about you that they ever knew you. And they disappear out of your life because the Sanhedrin is trying to take you out. Or worse yet, they believe the rumors about you that the Pharisees and the Sadducees of the community cook up to try to crush you and kill you and steal your spirit from you. No, I'm not talking about those kind of friends that John the Baptist refers to in Matthew 3, 7 as a brood of vipers. I'm, I'm putting on my coach's voice now. No, not those kind of friends, like Job's friends, who sit with you for seven days, keeping their mouths shut, and then all of a sudden, they start telling you that you must have sinned, that you had a obviously lack faith, and you've done something wrong because that's why you're sick, that's why your family members died, that's why your boy died. No, not those kind of friends. Really? Really? No, not those kind of friends. I call those friends frenemies. Those are frenemies. And when I say friend, I mean real, true friend who, in spite facing their own death and loss, they're committed to you and to God. And they'll walk in the fire with you. They'll walk through the valley of the shadow of death with you. They'll walk through the valley of the shadow of divorce with you. They'll walk through the valley of the shadow of sickness and disease and loss and pain with you. They're the real Jesus kind of friends. They won't leave you or forsake you for nothing kind of friends. Those kind of friends. That's what I'm talking about. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord for those kind of friends. Amen. <laughs> you know, when I was going over this, I, I didn't cry once. I don't know what the deal is. I guess I'm getting a revelation of my own message. So I ask you, what kind of friend are you when life stinks? There's a crisis and there's pain and suffering. Are you a real Jesus kind of friend? Or are you a friend of me? What kind of friends do you have? This is important. Do you have KK kind of friend or a Scott and Claire kind of friend? Real Jesus kind of friends? Or do you have frenemies? I want you to think about those things. Well, I warn you, I'm going to warn you right now. If you have frenemies as friends, you better get rid of them. They'll try to kill you with more suffering and pain than you already have. You need to get rid of them in the name of Jesus. Now one further emphasizes, we dare to speak from the depth of our heart to the friends, real Jesus kind of friends God gives us will gradually find new freedom within us and new courage to live our own sorrows, to live our own sorrows, death, divorce, and sickness and disease and loss and pain, and also to live our joys, eternal life. All the wonderful things, they go hand in hand. 
God gives us those friends that help us have the courage to do that. And when we truly believe that we have nothing to hide from God, we, have, we, we need to have people around us who represent God for us and to whom we can reveal ourselves with complete trust. Nothing will give us so much strength as being fully known and fully loved by fellow human beings in the name of God. That gives us the courage to drink the cup to the bottom. Knowing that this cup is our salvation, it allows us not only to live well, but to die well. When we are surrounded by loving friends, death becomes a gateway to the full communion of the saints. Now it continues, and the third way to drink our cup is in action. Anyone who loses his life for my sake will find it, Matthew 10, 39. When we're committed to do God's will and not our own, we soon discover that much of what we do doesn't need to be done by us. What we're called to do are actions that bring us true joy and peace. Lastly, these three disciplines of silence, the word of God coupled with real kind of friends, Jesus kind of friends, and action, focus our eyes on the road we are traveling and help us to move forward step by step to our goal. We will encounter great obstacles and splendid views, long and dry deserts, and also fresh water surrounded by shadow, rich trees. We will have to fight against those who try to attack us and rob us. And we will also make wonderful friends. We will often wonder if we're going to make it. But one day we will see coming to us the one who has been waiting for us from all eternity to welcome us home. Yes, we can drink our cup of life, of suffering and pain and peace and joy to the bottom. And as we drink it, we will realize that the one who has called us the beloved, even before we were born, is filling it, that cup, with everlasting life. Drink the cup, and drinking the cup is an act of selfless love, an act of immense trust, an act of surrender to God, who will give us what we need when we need it. John 18, 11, Jesus ordered Peter, Put back your sword. Do you think for a minute that I'm not going to drink this cup the Father gave me? Like Jesus did. I encourage you all to drink. Drink your cup from the bottom. Drink it all up. Don't waste it. Do it the way Jesus did it. Don't waste the suffering. You have to trust God in all things, even in in death, even your own life. And thus, by doing so, Jesus promises those who lose their life for his sake will gain it. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. So endure your cross, I encourage you. Do it in the name of Jesus. Take in that sweet time with Jesus in those most difficult times in your life because he, he stays closer than a brother. He's tight with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. Silence, the word of God and good friends and then action. Change the world.
This, my dear brothers and sisters, is how ministries are birthed and life becomes eternal. This is how God's glory is shown through people on the earth. This is how our mourning turns into joy, acquiring the ability to not waste your pain and live into your created, true, loving, abundant lives as beloved children. You are a child of God, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the maker of all heaven and earth. You, you, he thought of you and he thinks of you. He knew you. He had you in mind. So when you suffer, don't forget that. When you're feeling pain and you think you're all alone, God never leaves you. You have been created in his image. You are a child of God. And knowing this ensures eternal peace and joy for you and those around you. As the worship team and Christine comes up for the blessing, I want to pray over everyone. Now, I want you to hear this prayer in your spirit, to receive it, knowing that God is a creator of all things, and he loves you first and foremost. Dear Heavenly Father, give us a thrank strength through your precious Holy Spirit to endure suffering of ourselves and of our friends, to be able to endure in silence and set with our friends in silence as they suffer, helping them absorb their pain. Like you do, Lord, being the word of God in the flesh, for the world to see you on earth in us, help us not to waste our pain, but to give it to you freely and cling to you in the midst of storms of life, knowing without any doubt that you are there and you have us and that healing and joy comes in the morning. You are our our rock and fortress and an ever steady help in time of need. We know you turn our morning into joy and we trust you and call upon you. So give us wisdom, Lord, to take action according to your will, for your glory. And we know without any doubt, just as sure as we are here and you are here, thank you, Lord, we will receive your presence always in our lives, in every situation, every moment, every second. Thank you for never leaving us or forsaking us. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. I want you to remember this quote from this message. If you don't heal from what hurt you, you will bleed all over the people who did not cut you. God bless you guys. Sean, thank you so much for that message. So many good points, so many lessons that we can learn. There's no way. Buy the tape. Learn how to be good friends. Learn how to mourn with those who mourn, suffer with those who suffer, and in silence, enter into their pain, enter into their silence, because sometimes we don't need to speak, we just need to be there in silence so that they can hear God's voice instead of ours. Thank you, Sean.